afternoon, everybody. Welcome aboard. It is Monday, and we are getting ready to head back to the window. I am uh, your host, Scott Steen, lead handicapper over at winnersandwiners.com. And I'm your co-host, Scott Rochelle, senior handicapper over at winnersandwiners.com. And together, we stop by every day, 3 p.m. Eastern, 2 p.m. Central, to help you in your endless quest to head back to the window to cash those winning tickets. So... Scott, you head back to the window a lot over the weekend. How did your uh, how'd your Saturday Sunday go? Uh, Saturday was fine. Sunday was not ideal. Well, Sunday was actually kind of a mixed bag because, as I mentioned before, I ended up going over the bridge earlier this week to place a couple of future bets, and I was rewarded for my efforts with some free bets. So I actually had about five plays that I threw in random future parlays along with some game spreads. Right. I actually went five and zero oh on those. But as for the YouTube videos on Sunday, I ended up going 0-1-1. Had a really awful call in the NBA, and I had a pretty brutal push we'll talk about in a minute. So for YouTube purposes, mixed bag. For me personally, actually, it went pretty well, but nobody cares. <laughs> all right, fair enough. Well, at least you didn't start talking about your fantasy team, so we all appreciate that. Uh, Michelle Ware's in the house. Donald Hatch is here, and Donald wanted to stop by and say uh, happy Monday and uh, fuck the Niners, by the way. I agree. They were very, they were very disappointing. And Seattle, you know, we knew that it was a possibility that Russ would start playing a little bit better, that his maybe his thumb would eventually start to heal and he'd get to the spot where he should have been um, starting, and instead of the last two weeks when he probably should have still been rehabbing. But you know, uh, I don't know how much of that was Seattle and how much of that was San Francisco self-inflicted wounds. What do you think? Uh, there was really a mixed bag because Mitchell got injured late in the game. And I know that San Francisco was having success through the air regarding Kittle, but without Samuel, Ayuk was pretty quiet for most of the game. Jimmy G isn't very good. We've talked about it before. I feel like that was kind of the main reason why they had issues. In addition to the terrible interceptions, you can't take a safety there. I mean, come on, really? You take a safety brutal. I mean, really? But I feel like the one play I have to talk about quickly from that game, I have to throw Shanahan for a second. I get that you have first and goal, and you're trying to milk some clock. You run the ball first down, fine. I'm okay with that, whatever, milk some of the clock. You ran the ball again on second down. Really? Don't you want three shots at the end zone instead of two? Seems like a, seems like a, a logical uh, supposition there. And uh, so they ran the ball, they got two yards, and now you have Garoppolo for two tries at the end zone instead of three. Right. And you didn't even target Kittle on any of those two attempts. I, I don't know. So I don't know what you were trying to do. They should have thrown the ball on second, third, and fourth down. So I don't get it. I, uh, I'm, a, I'm a obviously not smart enough to be an NFL head coach, but it seems like there are some head coaches that no matter how much they cover that tight end, you can get him there in the end zone. I, I believe much. I believe Travis Kelsey has caught a touchdown pass or two from uh, from inside the five yard line. Pretty quiet last night, though. But yep. So is honestly the entire Chiefs' offense, with the exception of the first drive or so. A weird thing. By the way, hello to Joan. How about those Steelers, Joan? <laughs> has to thrill you. Um, living in Pennsylvania, and of course, guys. Before we get rolling, I always want to do the housekeeping thing when I remember, and I remember today. Don't forget to like. Give us a thumbs up. Subscribe to our channel, of course, if you haven't done that already. If you're listening to podcast form, rate, review, give us a million stars, all that stuff. And, of course, 
Check out our other brother in the uh, Winners and Winners Sports Betting Network. That's the 1.30 p.m. Eastern Time Show. Just parlays with Chris King, the king of parlays. I know he had another two-teamer, and uh, some of his long shots have been uh, have been coming in. Zach Vaughn over on Meta. What up? What up? I remember the name this time, Scott. What up? What up, Zach Vaughn? It's Meta. I'm your, your memory is getting better as we go through this. I know. I know. Jones a Dallas fan. So they won two on Thursday. So you yeah. had a pretty good week anyway. What do you make of that game last night? Uh, what did I make of it? Yeah. What'd you, what'd, what'd, what'd you learn? Did you learn? Uh, are the Chiefs are the Chiefs a legit contender? They're eight and four. They got the same record as all the other good teams in the AFC. Of course, they don't have a tiebreaker against anybody. But uh, are they do, they? do they deserve to be in the conversation with New England and Buffalo and those teams? I think they deserve to because we still don't know what to fully expect from a rookie quarterback in New England who has really never had to win a game. It seems like they kind of just use him as a game manager, which is smart, and they've won a bunch of games because of it. But if the defense has a lackluster performance, can Mac Jones do it himself? And I'm not sure what the answer is going to be. So I do think that's the reservation with New England right now. And the reservation with Buffalo is they lost to Jacksonville. They're a psycho team. Yeah. They occasionally don't show up. So I do think that the AFC is up for grabs. I do appreciate how much better the Chiefs defense has gotten uh, just, you know, in terms of just all around consistency throughout the season. Your favorite player, Sorensen, had a pick six yesterday, which was nice for him. But I really have a hard time looking at Kansas City saying, I know that we're expecting this team to eventually wake up offensively. They don't play the Raiders indoors every week. Are we sure they're going to wake up offensively? Those drops are just are just confounding, and the and the drops into it's in, been what in, two three months at this point. Yeah, yeah, and then but the, the offense the, is broken. The drops into interceptions, and I don't know that the offense is 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 broken. You you've just got some crucial mistakes at, at just terrible times. I mean, they're still. But what are you supposed to do about it? You already missed the trade deadline, so it's not like you can acquire more talent. You're stuck with who you got. And that's not exactly an ideal situation because you're going through the weapons here. Kelsey's good. I know he was quiet yesterday, but he's still the best tight end in the league. Maybe second with Kittle, but he make an argument 1A, 1B. You have Tyree Kill, who's one of the best receivers in the league. That's obvious. Then you have a huge drop-off, which we know about. Hartman's been a disappointment uh, since he pretty much came into the league. He has the upside with the speed, but he's never really been able to translate that into consistent success. I know every Chiefs fan wants to Marcus Robinson off the roster. So I know people don't like him. Had a good night last Pringle, night. I like. Good, good he's really not that involved. Uh, Pringle had a big catch, a big special teams play, and two bad drops last night. Um, Demarcus Robinson actually. Saying, you go through the other receivers good. or weapons besides Hill and Kelsey. Do you really like that many other guys? No, they're, they're maybe Pringle, but they don't have many guys. Yeah, they're pretty interchangeable with uh, a lot of other teams. You know, depth receivers. There's there's no question. There's no there's nobody else that really stands out there's guys and josh that, gordon shouldn't be on the roster i don't know you know i i tweeted out i, I texted out yesterday to one of the text groups that we're watching the game together I'm like uh, josh gordon still plays for the chiefs right that's you, you know you, there's no point in being on the roster he doesn't do anything um they've had they've targeted him a couple times i think he's he maybe has two catches three catches he's got a couple of drops as well of course well one was the interception against the giants wouldn't be a chiefs receiver this year if without a couple of drops and of course a drop into an interception so my take my main takeaway from that game was I had the under, so I wasn't complaining. Yeah. But uh, my main takeaway was, can the Islanders win a damn home game? 
because I was watching the Islanders losing overtime again mm. uh, instead of watching pretty much the third quarter of that Chiefs game. So I was flipping channels. I was watching some of the St. John's game. I was watching some of the Islanders game. There's only so much Teddy Bridgewater in primetime I could handle before I have to change the channel. I couldn't handle it. I changed the channel. You know, that, it, was just, it was just awful. It was a beautiful day yesterday here till about uh, 5 p.m., about two hours before game time, and I'm sitting here working, and I hear the wind just going nuts outside. Mm-hmm. I'm like, wait a minute, when when did that happen? And I step outside, and it's massive. And I come back in, and I just start pounding the under. And it took I'll tell you time. what, though. One player from Denver who I thought really impressed me, Javante Williams. Yeah. Guy can play. Yeah. Well, you know, I do the I do the I do the radio show with those guys from Denver every Saturday, and they and they love him. They're they would rather him, see him play than Melvin Gordon. That's the problem with the no coaching question. staff, though. They've been keeping Williams on the bench for the entire season, and it took an injury from Gordon to give him more playing time. If you just watch them play, I know Gordon has the longevity, and he's proven that he's a reliable option whenever he's healthy, which is always a question mark. Javante Williams, simply put, needs to play more. The guy's just really good. He's in the same spot, kind of like a Tony Pollard, where you watch him play and go, are we sure he's not the best running back on his team? You can't hardly bring him down with one guy. Pretty much. Williams was just bouncing off guys the entire night. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. All right, man. Let's let's take a look and see who got got ripped off yesterday. There was was some 9-1-1 dialing going on. That's That's what I'm saying to you right here. Tough weekend for some, Scott. Let's find out who they were as we check out the Monday edition of Call the Caps. All right, bud. Um, let's take a look. I got too many. Win- I got too many windows open here. All right, let's start off, Scott. In college football, Kennesaw State minus three, pounding that one. Kennesaw State, gotta love them there, right? They're going up against East Tennessee State. Against East Tennessee State. Easy money. Easy money. Well, you're a genius because they were up 14 with 90 seconds left. Hey, piss on the fire. Call the dogs. It's over. Uh, Wait a minute. East Tennessee is a touchdown. Well, all right. Just get on the goddamn onside kick recovery. No problem there. Nope. Nope. East Tennessee State recovers the onside kick. I don't think you know where this is headed. And I interest you in another East Tennessee touchdown and of course, take the extra point. Go to overtime. That's right. Let's take our chances in overtime. Uh no, they're going to put all their baskets in the two point. All the all their all their uh, marbles in the two point basket, and they cashed it. Scott absolutely made the two pointer. Sorry, guys, minus three. Your only hope was to go to overtime, and when you see them lining up without a kicker, you know you're screwed, and that's what happens. Kennesaw State minus three. Call the caps. And looking at the second bad beat in college, if you had Iowa and Michigan under 44, you were in good shape because Iowa scored three points in the entire game. And yet, you had 24 points going into the fourth quarter. And then Michigan scored two garbage-time, quote-unquote, touchdowns in the final five minutes and 30 seconds, including a touchdown with about a minute and 20 to go. The game landed 45. That's rough. Brutal, brutal. And if you had the Buccaneers, first half, minus six and a half against Atlanta, another good job of handicapping. They led by 10 with less than 30 seconds left in the second quarter. Why were they throwing the ball at their own five-yard line? um, And they had the ball. Yeah. Well, I don't know why Tampa tried to throw the ball at the five. You think you're going 95 no. yards? You think you're going 50-something yards in about 20 seconds? No. Take take your knee. Take your 10-point lead to the locker room. Call it good. Nope. 
You know, Tom Brady, that undependable son of a bitch, he throws an interception. What else? It's Brady. What else are you going to do? <laughs> throws the pick six. Uh, they didn't have to go far to dance into the end zone, but if you had your Tampa Bay first half minus six and a half, uh, curses to you, Tom Brady. Call the cops. Passing at your own five, calling a screen pass from your own five. Really just a lot of questionable decisions there uh, in the final 30 seconds. But anyway, here was a beat that I actually had. I ended up pushing for one of the plays I gave out on the NFL show. But if you had the Steelers team total under 19 and a half and you were not able to shop around for a 20, they only had three points through the first three quarters. So you are cruising to a nice win. And then Marlon Humphrey got injured. And Pittsburgh scored 17 points in the fourth quarter, including a two-point conversion with less than two minutes to go. And they finished with exactly 20. Brutal. Brutal. It has to be brutal to uh, make Ben Roethlisberger look like a big-time pressure quarterback there. He looked better than Lamar Jackson yesterday, whatever uh, you want to read into that. Yeah. Well, there was some good sides to be on. There was some good news. Let's find out the weekend Maybe it wasn't so active for some scout. They didn't have much to do because they were too busy just sitting there in the rocking chair. So the first one was in the SEC title game between Bama and Georgia. If you had the over 48 and a half, never really in doubt. You had 41 points at halftime and the game landed 65. Very good. If you had Utah State plus six and a half against San Diego State, I got involved with the total there, Scott. San Diego State getting a big number of 49. Got to play the under, right? Got to play. Uh, you'd assume so. I mean, San Diego State did their part offensively. They did. They put up They put up 13. So uh, 13, 14, whatever that was. A great job. Utah State, however, they cruised. They led by 11 at halftime. And they, you hear a lot, second half, they took their foot off the gas. No, they uh, put a wood block down there and stomped on that motherfucker. They won outright by 33 points as they uh, put a beat down on the Aztecs right there. If you had them money line plus six and a half, whoo, rocking chair, baby. So I know that Aranda probably won the honors of doing the best coaching job this season by taking Baylor to a Big 12 title. Anderson's got to be on a short list, right? Because Utah State won, what, three games last year? Yeah. Yeah, they had, they had a down season for sure. And they won the title in the Mountain West. That's a hell of a coaching job. Yeah, agreed. That's that's unbelievable. If you had if you had Utah State over San Diego State in the Mountain West title game, congratulations. I'm curious what Utah State's odds were going in. I know Pitt when they won against Wake Forest over the weekend was 66 to 1 preseason to win the ACC. I got to assume Utah State was probably around either similar numbers or 100 to 1. Is there a chalky conference, Scott? A chalky conference? Is there a, ch a chalky result for conference? Uh, Bama winning the SEC. I guess that'd be it, right? Of the of the uh, that's probably one of them. Of I the mean, five, Clemson's still Clemson's still chalky. It's just a matter of one bad year, but they've still dominated the conference for the last decade. No, no, no. no. But I, I mean, as far Ohio as Ohio State's usually winning the Big Ten. As far as results go, there you have you have oh. uh, Michigan winning the Big Ten. You have Pitt winning the ACC. Um, you have. Bama you, winning you, the SEC if, is right. Chalky. That's fine, but Utah Utah winning the Pac-12. Not the first time ever, right? Uh huh. So all of those, if you know, if you had any part of those except for Bama, you cashed a nice ticket. Yeah, seems that way. No question but, about it. 
Looking at the rocking shares for the NFL, if you had the Eagles and the Jets over 44, well, you had Minshew at quarterback, so you know the Eagles are going to put up 40 by themselves. But you had 42 points in the first half, and the game landed 51. So a low-scoring second half, but ended up cashing easily in the third quarter. So if you had the over 44 and you have 42 points at the half, that's close to oddsmakers were drunk territory. And here's one that I had, and my premium subscribers also had this. If you had the Colts, we actually got it at 10, but if you had it at 10 and a half, 20, and it doesn't matter. Uh, they were playing the Texans. You know, Colts, they run the football pretty well. You know who doesn't stop the run? Uh, that would be the Texans. Uh, they led uh, 21 to zip after the third quarter, and the Texans, at least they were consistent. They scored nothing all the way through. That game ended up 31 nothing. If you had the Colts right there, you are in the rocking chair. Uh, not really much to add. I like the Colts on the NFL show just because of the fact that we saw them the first time, and I believe they won, what, they won 31-3, 34-3? Mm-hmm. The Texans aren't a good football team. And the Colts, after blowing that game against one of the best teams in the league last week, we thought they would respond quite nicely. And Tyrod and the offense scored zero points. Very good. Uh, catching up with some of the comments here. We're welcoming some people. Welcoming Brad Crawford, Nathan Cerna in the house. Uh, Brad says, I'm done with the Bengals. I backed off of them after the Browns debacle. But, uh, yep, against Vegas and lost. And it came back yesterday. Yep, they are uh, the, the Chargers and Cincinnati, since he lay another egg, you know, I'm, I'm pretty much I, done with the Chargers. That game was interesting because I can't, I can't figure that team either. That, that defense had been awful going into that game yesterday. We had, we had Cincinnati team total over 22, which we had a better shot at cashing that when we really did. Although they were, you know, they were running the ball to take the lead after being down 24 nothing. They were down 24 22 with the ball at the one, the 30 whenever Nixon Mixon gave up that scoop and score. Uh, I was gonna say, I think they would have won the game if Mixon didn't fumble there. Hey, you want to talk a little college basketball? You want to, you want to talk a little Gators, Georgia, uh, or Southern Texas? Uh, yeah, we can if you want to. All right. Uh, I'm, I'm not going to lie to you and say that game is on the uh, on the tip. Before of- we actually get into that game, I do want to address Donald's question okay. of, is Georgia's defense actually really good, or is it a fugazi? Of course, I'm paraphrasing. He kind of put it in a little bit different terms. But my question is, is Georgia's defense just the product of not playing anybody? Is Bama's offense just really, really good? I know Mechie ended up leaving the game midway through with the ACL, and that's why Bama's offense in the second half had a couple of big plays to Williams, but really shut it down after. I'd say late third quarter, entire fourth, Bama's offense really didn't do anything. But what do you think? Because I do think that some of it has to do with the fact that the SEC, besides Bama and Georgia, has been an extremely weak conference, with the exception of maybe Ole Miss, and even that was a little bit questionable midway through the well, season. Well, they, they, all those teams have played good games on occasion. A&M's played a good game, played a good game against Bama, obviously. Uh, Mississippi State has stepped up a couple of times, played good ball. Vanderbilt, they're on the road. I'm kidding. Uh, but, I mean, that's, it, that's but there aren't as many. I mean, Tennessee, they pretty much sucked the entire year. Mizzou sucked the entire year. Arkansas had their moments. See, I'm just talking about the offense. I don't even mean full team success because you're looking at who Georgia's played. Tennessee's offense is up-tempo. I don't know if it's very good, but they only they scored 17 against Georgia, yeah, which that, actually isn't that bad. That division, that division was terrible. That, that Correct. Div- you've got South Carolina, Mizzou, Arkansas. Arkansas, I mean, uh, yeah, Tennessee. Yeah, not good. I mentioned Ole Miss offensively as being one of the best offensive teams in that conference, for better or worse. Georgia didn't play them. Mm-mm. They didn't really play any quality offenses no. all season long. 
And that was the question. And the, and the other question that they, they had going into that game was, how does their pass defense hold up? How's the, how's the defensive backfield hold up? The answer, according to yesterday, not very well. Not very well. They they face a team that really well, throws Warren the ball. Warren says that Arkansas has a good offense. I think Arkansas's offense was hit or miss because Jefferson had some really good games, like he did against Ole Miss, that they ended up losing on that two-point conversion. But he had some really bad games. They just beat A&M the week prior, and Georgia shut him out. Arkansas was never in it. They had some injuries they couldn't overcome. But I do have some questions regarding Georgia just, A, being prepared under Kirby Smart to beat Saban because clearly Saban just lives rent-free in his head. Owns And him. that's been the case. Are we saying it? Yeah, go ahead. Kirby dumb? Yeah. yeah. Trending. Patent. We're going to try to get that trademark uh, trending. Yeah. Kirby, Kirby dumb. Kirby. We don't know if that's ever been said before, <laughs> but I'm going to I'm going to take credit for that one. Kirby Dumb cannot outcoach Nick Saban. It's Michigan now. Wolverines will expose Georgia just like Alabama did. Well, that is going to be the question, whether that was a I like Michigan plus the points. I'm not laying that with Georgia. Are you? Can't. I, 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 I can't. Uh, I was. Georgia might win the game anyway, because I do think that Michigan in the Big Ten, I, I do have questions on how good the Big Ten actually is. Iowa, as far as I was concerned, was a cupcake title game. So I do think that Georgia is getting a lot of SEC bias, which is why they're favored by eight. I'm not laying more than a touchdown with Stetson Bennett. I can't do it. Can't do it. Can't do it. Um, love Michigan plus the seven. Yeah, shop around, Brad. I think I think you can. I think you can get better than that seven. I heard Circa in Vegas had nine. Jesus, I know that they really went off the beacon path there. Take uh, laying nine with Georgia, or that's what they priced it at. But Michigan up front is physical. They can run the ball. I think McNamara is better than Bennett. I don't. I think it's close. I don't think McNamara is a great quarterback, but I think he's good enough. And you got Hutchinson on the other end. The main takeaway I had for Georgia in the Alabama game was the fact that after Alabama's offensive line got absolutely torched by Auburn's defensive line, Georgia generated nothing for about the first three quarters. Yeah. That was the surprise. The defensive line was just a complete non-factor. Yeah, I agree. the The offense was just it was it was kind of playing with one arm time behind the back. It looked like they were just never really a part of that a part of that game for the most part. You know, um, mm-hmm. as far as this Texas Southern game goes, the the Florida game it's an it's an it's an it's an interesting it's an interesting matchup. It really is because you've got a Texas Southern team that's played. Uh, a pretty damn good schedule. They have played uh, no cupcakes, Scott. And you know what that means, by the way. When we talk about their schedule, that means they don't have many wins. They don't. Uh, they have seven. They have yeah. They have no wins. They're they're zero and seven. They're five and two against the number. However, um, they're good. They're a good rebounding team. Florida plays well. They play well at home. Um, but they've they've they uh, took care of business against Troy. And struggled with 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 Elon. So, as far as this one goes, I, I don't know how you get off of Texas Southern. This is a team; they're just they're cashing checks, man. They're out there. They're a, they're a good basketball team, and I'm playing. I'm taking. I'm taking the uh, twenty-one. What do you got to that? Twenty-three and a half. I got a twenty-three. I see and a twenty-three half. and a half. Twenty-three and a half. Yeah. I'm. I've. I. I wouldn't respect myself if I didn't play. Texas Southern in that spot. You've got it. You've got a team that's battle tested, and you've got a situation where uh, the home team could absolutely take their foot off the gas in the second half with a big lead. 
Well, my question for you, because of the spot for Florida, is you just lost your first game on the road against Oklahoma. It's on the road. You know, it's a tough spot to play in. What's your response, or what do you think most teams do in terms of response after losing their game and returning home against the cupcake? I know the narrative. I know the narrative there is you're extra motivated, and I wouldn't want to be that next team, etc. I don't know how that plays out. I know anecdotally what you and I both believe, but I don't know if the numbers back that up or not. I don't have anything in front of me, and I don't know that I've seen anything on those numbers that would indicate that's actually the case. Yeah, I know that Texas Southern last game got killed by Louisiana Tech. As we know, Lofton's one of our favorite players in all of college basketball. But they played against BYU, who was ranked 12th last week. Lost by 17. That's a cover. Played against uh, Oregon earlier this year. I know Oregon's not a great team, but they were a preseason top 15. Lost by 17 there. Played St. Mary's, only lost by nine. As you said before, they lose, but they keep it somewhat close. And Florida, I do think, will eventually be up by 20-something. Mm-hmm. They'll probably be covering at some point in this game. The question is, does Florida take the foot off the gas? I actually think they do. I like Texas Southern here. The rebounding numbers for Southern are impressive. And I do think that if Florida is unable to fully dominate the glass, it's a really duff, uh, really difficult to cover 23 and a half. Yeah, you, so you, I agree with you. Yeah, I was going to say, if you I, give up enough... I think enough Florida's se- going to win by 17. Yep, I think that's a good call. Somebody, I think Nathan put in 80-62. I think that's right in the ballpark. Um, if you, you give them enough second chance, points, it's, it's in the second chance points, it's hard to cover those big numbers like that. Um, no, it's not even a matter of giving them second chance points. It's a matter of not allowing second chance points to Florida. Well, that that too. Uh, Florida first half. If I'm going to play Florida, it'd be the first half. It wouldn't. Yeah, it wouldn't I be agree. full. It wouldn't be full game. Uh, somebody asked about the Illinois Iowa game with with Kofi back. Illinois has been good with him back, but we've seen Illinois have issues with turnovers. That was the story of the Mar- Marquette game. We know that the guards without. Desanwu have been okay. They haven't been amazing by any means, but they've been serviceable. The thing is, we've talked about it all, uh, before, and we mentioned it before we went on air. Do you really want to lay points on the road in the Big Ten? It's not, not a, really. It's not a position not I want. Exactly wanna, my cup of tea. Not a position I want to find myself in very often, especially a team that's covered four straight. Um, that you know, Iowa had a nice comeback against Purdue. You know, Purdue had that game well in hand. And, uh, you know, Iowa put together a little something-something. Of course, uh, Iowa lost, but Purdue's probably a top three, top five team. I know they're number one right now, but I just mean talent-wise and what we've seen so far, Purdue is a top three team in the country. And Iowa hung around. So, I don't – actually, this Iowa team is kind of undervalued. I think Iowa wins outright tonight. This line makes it seem like it's daring you to take Illinois, and it mm-hmm. does seem a bit short. But you can really never underestimate the home court advantage in – Big Ten country, I'm going to take Iowa. I've been to every I've been to every one of those arenas. Well, at least at least the old ones. A lot of them they still play in the same place, and it's the the atmosphere. Carver Hawkeye is something is unbelievable. It it really is. It's it, all of those are you know you feel like you're sitting like most of you are like right on top of the right on top of the action and uh, it's a very good environment. So it is tough to play there. Um, I'm with you. I see John asking about Houston against Alcorn State. Zach. If I'm playing, I'm laying. I know you can be scared of 33 with Houston, but then you look at the last couple of games. They beat Northwestern State by 41. They played Bryant, who's not even an atrocious team. They're not good, but they're not awful, awful. You can score. They won by 67. 
Yeah. You just assume Kelvin Sampson wins every out-of-conference home game by about 90 points. And it seems like another spot where Houston's going to win this game by 50. Somebody asked about the total, about 132. I mean, maybe if you get... If I don't you, know if I can take the under. If you get 100... If Houston you, might score 100. I was going to say, if you get 100 out of Houston, know. it might it might get over. Um, I don't know. I don't know. I got to go over. This is just an Alcorn State team that can't score, man. I, I don't know how oh, many, they can. I'm looking at maybe a Houston team total over if you can get it. Mm-hmm. I mean, Alcorn State. Well, may- when you score 99 and 111 in your last two games, I can't really take an under. You know, I just can't. Alcorn State won't put up 60. So they won't. You're, uh, you know, this is a team that um, put up 57, 57 against the Zags and 59 against Southern Illinois. So. I'm just laying the points with Houston. I just think they're going to kill them by 50. That's a good. That's a good team at home. That's a, that's a fantastic home team. Yeah, I agree. Um, UCLA. Where did I just? I just saw a UCLA question. UCLA better than better than the Zags. That would appear to be the case. Yes. Well, uh, you were making the argument that Gonzaga is underrated. They might be because they've lost a couple of games in a row, and now people are, have all sold on them. I just don't think that they're a great team. And I was annoyed at myself for making a bold call, then watching one game, overreacting with an apology, and now going back to my main point. I don't think Gonzaga's guards, mostly Nemhart, are very good. I think Bolton's good. I think that Strawford's pretty good. I don't think that Nemhart's a good point guard. And I think the spacing with Holmgren and with Timmy are really just awful. Because Holmgren is kind of forced to play on the perimeter a bit more when I don't think he really should be. And through this, Timmy has not really been that good this year. He's been okay. No. He hasn't been, you know, player of the year. Uh, I said Strawther, by the way, not Strawford, but Strawther's been good. I'm just not a big Nemhart guy, and Timmy's been underperforming. So I'm not really sold on Gonzaga. I do think that UCLA, when healthy – We'll give them a bigger run for their money when Riley's back. But you're looking at the teams right now to try to talk about how uh, this team's going to compete for a title. I don't see it. I think last year was a significantly better team, and I think they blew their chance. I agree. I agree. It's you know they may you know they may find something there in conference play and and may. Uh... Be able well, to I f- hope they do. They're playing against Pepperdine and winning by fifty every. Well, time. I'm just saying it's I'm getting Timmy to play in a twin tower system is is kind of unusual for him, and he's going to have to get used to it. And like he needs everybody on the perimeter, everyone get the hell out of the way, and let him operate in the paint. And he doesn't have the spacing. Right, right. Because you've got you've got you've got Holmgren clunking up clunking up the lane. That's absolutely correct. I'll tell you one team though that I do like right now as a potential solid price to actually win the title. I know it's very tough to repeat as champion, especially when you lose that much talent. That Baylor team is really good. We're some pizza money right now. Yeah. I've watched them play several times. Baylor has impressed me every time. They have so much talent on that roster, even without Mitchell and without Butler. That's a hell of a team. And if you're getting 20-something to one right now, I do think they're a top-five team in the country. I think they're that good. Yeah. Somebody's asking about Towson State, Kent State. Towson State, um, 
another team that's been pretty good against the number. They've uh, they've had some nice. They had a nice victory over New Mexico. Um, Kent State at home. I don't know what to make of this Kent State team, Scott. They haven't played a lot of home games. They've they've played absolutely nobody yet at home. They have played a a uh, pretty scrappy James Madison team. Uh, they beat G Dub, lost to uh, East Tennessee State. It's hard to uh, hard to fade the, the home team there, but six and a half seems like just a little tall. I might I might take a spin on Towson State if I'm playing this one. But we've talked about rebounding and how important that is if you're going to lay points. And Towson is averaging roughly three more rebounds per game. So I do think if you're expecting a lower scoring game, because both teams defensively are pretty solid and the total is 131, which is a pretty low total, I do think the boards are going to be an important factor here. So I like the points. I think that if Towson can do a solid job on the glass, which I think they can, I do think they'll generate some second chance points, and I do think they'll be able to keep this game close. I think Kent State might win the game. I think it'll be a toss-up, but I do agree with you. Six and a half seems a little bit rich to me. Yeah, this is a Towson team that plays good defense, and you know Kent State's going to want to take some shots from distance, and Towson's done a pretty pretty good job so far defending the perimeter. And By the whole- way, Kent State is four and two. They had two games against non-D1 teams that they won by about 60 apiece. Yeah. So keep in mind some outliers. Look through the schedule for context. When you have two cupcakes already in the season – your numbers are extremely inflated. Yep, very good. Yeah, and that's a and that's a, a, a Towson team. Like I said, this probably played a better schedule at this point. And I don't think. Well, I don't even think there's any question they played a better schedule. They're holding their opponents to less than forty percent shooting from the floor, and thirty percent from deep. So those are impressive defensive numbers. And then add that to the rebound battle. I'll take the six and a half points as well. Uh, everybody humped up on the Hornets after that grueling game last night. Scott, you humped up on the Hornets. Uh, the Hornets kicked my ass last night because I had the team total under, and with them missing Ball and Rozier, they still scored 130 points. So congrats to them for kicking my ass. But Philly's a team that has really just not looked that good, uh, even when Embiid's come back. They have looked better lately, had a close loss to the Celtics, ended up beating Atlanta. Nice win there. Uh, barely. They struggled with the Magic. They lost in double overtime to the Timberwolves. They've been inconsistent. I kind of like the points here. I just have a hard time laying this amount with Philly when Philly's had a hard time of winning by either margin or in general since they're 12 and 11 and Bede has been hit or miss since he's come back. He was better against Atlanta. But doesn't this spread seem a little bit high, especially with Philly on the road? Well, yes and no. I mean, considering that you're you've, you're still missing Plumlee and Ball, uh, as long as well, and Rozier and, and Rozier that's the main, that's the main and team. Rozier as well. And I don't know. They look good against Atlanta. It's a back to back, but do I really want to lay that much with Philly when they haven't looked that good? I will. The last couple of weeks. I will. I, I really I, don't. I think that, I think that rally around the flag boys, uh, that works for one game. Okay. And then, especially at a back to back. And then I think I think the the lack of depth and the lack of star power comes home to, comes home back to bite them. I'll take Philly; they're a better team with Embiid. I'll wait to see Philly win a game by at least seven before I lay seven with them or lay six and a half with them in this spot. That's a legit point. That's a legit point. Uh, the other problem is the Charlotte team; they don't play any defense at all. They're, uh, they're, they're none back, whatsoever. They're back to they're their no defense. To watch. They had they had a little they had a little uh, a little run where they played some decent defense, but that's long past. That's over. So. I think if you want Philly, take the team total over. 
if you think that if you don't want to lay that many points and you think that Charlotte's defense is still going to be terrible, and Embiid should realistically, assuming he shoots the ball well, go for what, 35? Who do you got, P.J. Washington at center? Yeah. For yeah, Charlotte? That's the problem. So take a team total over for Philly and hope they score about 120. Yep. Jay Sweeney asking about, asking about Iowa, Illinois. We did uh, each have small leans on Iowa. They're just back, at, back in the home team catching points. I know somebody's mentioning a game regarding New Mexico State and New Mexico. And it's an interesting spot because it's actually the rare back-to-back home-and-home mm-hmm. series there. I actually had New Mexico money line in the first game, and that ended up cashing. I had them first half, actually, at plus 260. Full game, I think, was around 4-1, to 5-1, to one, and New Mexico won outright. Now they're underdogs again. Can you explain that to me? Because they won the first game outright in New Mexico State, and now they're underdogs at home after just beating them. Well... I don't get it. No. I mean, the... Uh... It's and it's not it's not a uh, it's not a true back to back because they there's the game uh, New Mexico State played a game in between it's a it's a weird deal yeah New but, Mexico State it's a back to back but yes yeah. for New Mexico it's a back to back for New Mexico State it is not um, but I, I guess the lo- I guess the logic there would be the spread was ten and a half the first time it's four and a half this time it's come down six points I I, I think that's your logic right there Scott. You gotta look at the over in that one, don't I? I mean, the first game had 190 something points. Yeah, totals 151, 152. I, I don't want to over. I don't want to assume that no team's gonna make any adjustments and that you're gonna see the exact same script as what we just saw. But do I want to lay four and a half of the team that just lost to this team outright at home? No. And I I think that the over is a good spot because even if you get regression, you need what 40 something points of regression. Mm-hmm. That's a lot. I agree. I would. T- I'm, I'm, I'll take the. I'll take the home team in the pit there and, and take the points. I know. And I know it's not as many as we would like, but we're all right. Um, Grizzlies under, having to play defense. Yeah. I don't. Uh, I had them against Dallas. I, I got it. That was the best one I got the entire probably year. I got Memphis plus six and a half on the overnight. Then Doncic was ruled out. They closed minus one. Beat a seven and a half point line moving the NBA. The injury news usually kills us. I was actually on the right side of one for once. Yeah, it was nice. It was absolutely uh, it was a good thing. Uh, Coastal Carolina tonight, Scott. Lines dropped to minus two against the Mercer Bears. Who's playing quarterback? So I'm <laughs> so looking to see. Uh, I got no injury news here, bud. So it's it, apparently you've got people pounding the Bears. Well, Coastal's been a pretty disappointing team this season, yeah. so that doesn't surprise me. Mercer's got a lot of experience. Uh, they made the conference title game last year, and they actually gave Arkansas a run for their money in the season opener, so I actually think that team <laughs> is not that bad. Coastal has played better lately. They beat South Carolina. South Carolina stinks. I know they're a Power 5 school, but they're awful. And beat Winthrop, who's usually solid in their conference. But Mercer has been Okay. Uh, I do think that this line does seem a bit short, especially since Coastal's averaging roughly nine more rebounds per game. Do you think this is a trap line? Because I do think that Mercer looks attractive at first. Mm-hmm. But this line does seem a bit short considering the rebounding disparity. It does. I kind of like Coastal here. Well, I, you know, the, I, I'm not going to lie. The movement worries me because that that would appear to be a sharp move yeah. moving the other direction. So um, having said Postal that... Postal is interesting with that nine rebound per game advantage there. I do think they're undefeated at home. Uh, I am kind of tempted to take the chance of clears there. 
Yeah, I agree. They play they they lost to a pretty good Toledo team in a neutral spot, but you know, there's two games and say what you will. You're beating South Carolina, you're beating Winthrop, and you done you beat you didn't beat South Carolina, you beat them by twenty four. So you you know, you beat the hell out of a power five school. So I will uh and you you know, they'll beat Winthrop outright by ten as a dog. I don't know how you don't like them here. Winthrop's Scott. pretty good. Traditionally they are. They're a good team. Nathan's um, saying that the 76ers are a first-half team. We've talked about it before. I'm not laying a full game uh, line like that with Philly. First half, I don't mind, because the Sixers will show up for 24 minutes, then take about a 12-minute nap, and then wake up for the end of the game. That's solid. That's 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 a good compromise. Um, Bovada has plus 16 on the Magic. You and I talked about that before the show. Oh, God. Fading the Magic in a big in a, a big spot there with a, with a big number attached. I kind of wish, if you're going to take the Magic, I kind of wish Golden State was off a win instead of losing to San Antonio. Because I do think after losing a game like that, Golden State might just kill this team. You know? Like, they just might take this game seriously because they lost the game. They probably should have won against San Antonio. But, oh, the Magic. They had the big comeback win against Denver, uh, which annoys us, which is why Denver's dead to us. But that's a separate story. Right. Golden State is so damn good. It's I have a really hard time taking 16 with Orlando. I get it's the NBA, and on principle, you want to take 16. Golden State could beat anybody by 30, and you really would not be surprised. Right. I don't want to get involved. What do you think? I just don't want to I think it. if I'm playing, I'm playing, but I'm not happy about it. No, not a bit. All right, one left, buddy. Let's talk about the uh, NFL game tonight, the Monday Night Football Contest. Big battle there in the AFC East. Find out, is there really a new sheriff in town, or is your daddy still your daddy? <laughs> new England heads up to Orchard Park, take on the Buffalo Bills. Bills minus three. 40 and a half is the plummeting number right now. Um, Scott, Belichick owns new uh, owns Buffalo. However... He owns everybody, so... There's it's a, it's kind, of a, kind of a different team than Belichick had the most years they played Buffalo... And Buffalo has a bit of a different team as well. So I think that doesn't really matter. Of course, we said that about Kirby Smart and Nick Saban. So this is a new year. This is a brand new, this is a brand new situation. And that ended up being the same old, the same old situation. So do we have the same old, the same old situation here, Scott? Do we have the same old song and dance, as Motley Crue would have said? Or is the weather going to play enough of a factor where it's just kind of a crapshoot here? Because the weather is going to be. Uh, it's going to be very windy. There's not going to be any precipitation, it doesn't look like. But there is going to be a massive wind uh, situation with the wind. Steady winds of 25-plus, gust 40-plus. Scott, how big of a So factor? I'm going to draw a comparison okay. in this game. Of course, it's not a foolproof comparison, but just bear with me. It reminds me of the Michigan-Ohio State game. Because one team, you can tell, is clearly more talented offensively. And yet, it's all... Awful weather, and you know the weather is going to benefit one team more than the other. It benefits New England because New England's the better team at running the ball, and they're the better defense. So I do think if the weather can help limit Josh Allen through the air, I do have question marks regarding Buffalo's run game. And I do think that New England has the game plan that works perfectly in weather like this. They'll dominate time possession, they'll run the ball, they'll play field position, and they'll force some turnovers. So I do think that New England, with this weather, does have the better overall game plan in the roster makeup. 
I'm taking New England. I think they're going to win the game. But I do like the under. I think you'll see a very hideous game. I don't plan on watching this game. No offense to New England. I'll find better things to do. But I really have no interest in watching this game. I think it'll be a Thursday night football quality game where you're going to wish you ripped your eyes out after a quarter. So I'm not going to pay attention to it, but I like the under and I like New England. I love watching games like that. I don't care, man. Everybody says I I grew up watching Big Ten stuff because I went to school there. Right. So I don't want to bother. No, I'm done. I don't want to see Wisconsin, Iowa. I'm done. Okay. I'll find something else to watch. All right. Fair enough. All right, my friend. Well, it is time to get to it, as there is just one play left, and we've kind of, we kind of led into it. By the way, I I, I totally agree with both your picks. I'm, I'm I'm on the I'm on the Pats and the under there team. I think they're the better running team, and I don't think there's going to be a lot of points scored. I think if you want to tease it, that's an attractive option too. Yep, agreed. So let's do it, Scott. It is a Monday. It is time to put on that straw hat, climb aboard your tractor. We have an expanding farm. Empire, and we're going to see if we can keep it going on today's edition of Bet the Farm. All right, Scott. Well, we did have a Bet the Farm play over the weekend, and how did that end up doing? In the ACC title game, we had Pittsburgh team total over 37, and they ended up reaching 40 plus. There it is. All right. Well, we're gonna keep it. We're gonna keep it rolling, and we do have a play from the Monday Night Football game, and it is going to be really not now. You can thirty seconds. It's going to be longest field goal under forty-seven and a half yards, Scott. That is minus one twenty at DraftKings. It's also a play. I'm getting ready to drive in my car two hours to load up on it's like head to the Iowa border to make that play on DraftKings. As we mentioned, there are huge, huge wins in this game. It is going to be, like I said, 25 mile an hour plus 40 miles. That's the wrong farm play. Oh, it is. It is. Did I not put the farm in? Oh, good grief. Okay. You guys are just gonna have to trust me on this one. Big time wins, 25 mile an hour plus 40 mile an hour gusts. And it is a crosswind. So I know some of you are thinking, well, won't one team have the wind advantage the entire game? And they switch it back and forth. No, that is not the case. Foxborough has laid out basically north to south. It's slightly tilted a little bit to the west, about five degrees. But for the most part, it is a true north-south stadium. The wind is coming directly out of the west. So there will be no advantage. It will be swirling. It will be awful. It will be cold. Nobody is going to attempt a field goal over 40 mile, over 40 yards. That is my prediction. If you're in down in distance 10 or less, you're inside the 40, you're going for it. If you're less than that, or there more than that, you're going to punt. Uh, I love this play. Like I said, I am absolutely going to be invested in this personally. New England Buffalo, longest field goal under 47 and a half is our bet the farm play. Well, first of all, this line is just completely drunk. Uh, no, it is a, it is a Buffalo. That is correct. But the weather is atrocious. Did I say and... Foxborough? Sorry. Yes, it is a Buffalo. My bad. Yes, it is a Buffalo. I keep I keep doing that. I even I even looked up the weather first today when we were when we were researching this play. So my apologies for misspeaking. The, it's a hundred percent a Buffalo. The way yes. that I see it is, field goal attempts will be few and far between in this game. Of course, you might get a couple inside of thirty yards because both kickers are still pretty good. But when it comes to long distance. If you miss, 
you're just handing the ball to the other team at about the 40-something yard line. Yep. I expect a field position battle in such terrible weather. I do think you'll see limited attempts. 47 and a half and minus 120, way too high of a number. It should be closer to 43 and a half, to be honest, for longest field goal. We'll take it to the bank. I think you're going to have a game like you had in Chicago a couple years ago where you saw him like try to kick the extra point and the ball started off in the middle and just like it was pushed by the hand of God to the left. I think you're going to see kicks like that. I think field goals are going to be out of the question. By the way, our silver medal for this play was Josh Allen over a half of an interception. So we uh, we, we found this one and liked it even better, but we we liked that one quite a bit too. As uh, The only thing is he's probably going to show shorter passes. It's the only reason they gave us pause He's probably not going to take the downfield shots in the wind that he would normally take. So, all right, that's going to do it for us, guys. As always, thanks for listening. Don't forget to check out us every day at 3. Check out Chris King every day at 1.30 doing his parlay show. And, uh, yeah, keep on being you, guys. Keep showing up. Keep winning those bets. We appreciate it. We appreciate all the comments. We appreciate everybody coming by. Make sure you do it every day that you get an opportunity because we'll do it every day that we get an opportunity to be here. You guys have a great day. Good luck on all of your plays for tonight, and we'll see you tomorrow as Scott and I try to head back to the window one more time. Take care, everybody.